through for our iniquities. He was crushed. Well, he was pierced through for our treasures. He was crushed for our iniquities. The chastisement for our well-being fell upon him. And by his scourging, we're healed. Last week, we talked about what it meant for Jesus to be pierced for us. And we talked about that piercing meant to be, to, to have, to be run through as a pointed weapon, to enter or thrust into sharply or painfully. It means to make a hole or to perforate. It means to force or make a way into or through. We talked about the process of piercing, that this execution Jesus suffered was, of, was for the lowest and most despised criminals. We talked about that there was a prelude to the actual, the actual frustration that he went through, the actual execution that was called scourging, where he was whipped and beaten and mocked and all sorts of crazy things. We talked about the processional that he had to carry across after that scourging to the place where he would be executed. We talked about the procedure that was painful and gruesome and public, that he was nailed and lifted up, and it was a very long process. And we talked about the purpose. The purpose for that was the offering for our sin. We talked about the justification that he purchased for many. We talked about that he bore our iniquities. And that he made intercession for us as transgressors. But along with all of those things, that procedure, that, 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 that purpose, that procession, the prelude, all that, there was a promise attached to it that death would not overcome him. The scriptures say in Isaiah 53 that he, he shall prolong his days. Jesus said, if you destroy this temple in three days, I will raise it up. And he surely did. And we talked about the, the power behind it was the power of his love. That, that he, Paul wrote that even death could not separate us from his love. How did Paul know that? Because Jesus overcame it. His love pushed through death to the other side. And so therefore, anything that comes at us, Jesus has already conquered. Let me ask you guys a question. If God is for us, who can be against us? What? If God is for us, who can be against us? What can separate us from the love of God? Come on, you can do better than that. Who are we because of Christ? Conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So today, we're going to take this piercing situation a step further. You guys have seen those bumper stickers or t-shirts or whatever that say, body piercing saved my life. Have you seen those? Huh? Absolutely true. The fact that he was pierced saved all of our lives, saved me. Look at these words. Oh, let's do that again. Hit it again. Are you pierced, cut, or burning? We're going to look at three responses to the gospel today. These aren't the only three, but these are three that I feel like God would have us deal with. In Luke 24, 11, you'll find these words. And their words seemed to them like idle tales, and they did not believe them. This takes place right after the resurrection. Their words seemed like idle tales, 
and they did not believe them. Acts 2.37 says, now when they heard this, heard this gospel, heard about this, this procedure, this, this life that Jesus lived, they were pierced to the heart. And Acts 7.57 says, then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears after hearing the gospel. So my, guess, my question is to you this morning, where are you at in that gamut? Does this just seem like idle tales to you? Does it pierce your heart? Or are you running away trying to stop your ears up so that you cannot hear? The word pierce, there's a, there's a, there's a definition of it I, I saved for this week. I, I, I showed you from the Britannica Dictionary, I showed you one, two, and three, the, the definitions. We're going to look at number five today in that thing. Pierce means to penetrate as to move or touch the emotions of, to force a way into or through. And so I guess my question would be today, does this gospel still move you? Does the gospel still move you? There are three responses in Scripture to this message. Three, we're going to talk about three of them. They're not the only three, but there are three of them we're going to talk about. The first one is a heart that's pierced by the message. In order to respond this way, there has, there's got to be a, re, a prerequisite, a requirement. You have to have a heart that's open, number one, to the Holy Spirit, and you've got to have a heart that's open to repentance. You, you may be here this morning and dealing with issues. You have to come to grips that the Holy Spirit is dealing with you about those issues. You may be here today and not even know Christ. You may be away from him. And you know what? In order for you to have the correct response, you have to allow him access to your life and to your heart. Without the movement of the Holy Spirit, without a, 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 a need for repentance, we're, we're missing it. Without, a, an oper- without, without recognizing our need for repentance, we're missing it. And all of us are there at some point in time. We all need to, to, to be in that place. This heart is soft towards the gospel, even though it may have never known the gospel previous to the moment it's, it's, it's expressed, the gospel's expressed to them. In Acts chapter 2, verse 22, we'll find a passage of Scripture. And you guys, are, we're going to hit three major passages of Scripture this morning. Acts chapter 2, verse 22 is the first one. I'll give you the next one so you get ahead of me. Acts chapter 6 will be the next place we'll turn to. And then the next place we'll go to is Luke 24. So you guys used to make fun of Pastor Eric, and occasionally you make fun of me because I'll say, hey, put a finger in there and wait. That's okay. Acts chapter 2, verse 22, you'll find these words. I'm going to be reading from, at least in this passage, the New American Standard Version of the Bible. To set a context, Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit's been poured out. There's a great ruckus in the city of Jerusalem trying to figure out what's going on with these guys who follow Jesus. And taking that ruckus and that, that involvement, Peter takes opportunity to, 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 to explain to people the gospel of Jesus. And so he starts at verse 22. He says, men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God, 
with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know, this man, delivered by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. That's getting close. Those are some shouting words. At least that last line anyway. Since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. Two things I see here. God performed miracles through Jesus to attest that he was who he said he was. These people knew of him. God had a plan and a foreknowledge. They nailed him to a cross. He was pierced by, by you, he says. <laughs> you nailed him to the cross by other godless men. These people didn't hold the hammers. They didn't hold the whip. They didn't do anything other than, than they put him in the place where this had to happen to him. And, the, and, and if any of us think that, that, that we are too good or whatever, we did the same thing. Our sin, our shortcomings, our failings, our issues, we just sang it up there on the screen. Even when I fail, you still love me. Nailed him to the cross. Nailed him to the cross. But God, everybody say, but God. That's where the power comes in. But God raised him up again. He conquered this thing. This should still enthuse you. I don't care how long you've walked with Jesus. This should grab your heart and jerk it sideways three or four times. I remember when my mom and dad, when I, when I was little, this would be scary now. There's, but I, remember, I remember when I, when, when I was young, my mom and dad were like, oh, no. Can I sink down into the pew now? I remember my dad several times when I was a kid to get my attention. He would walk over, he would grab a hold of my, and he'd jerk him. Rattle me a little bit and rattle my cage. I know there's this, you know, shaking baby syndrome thing. I'm, well, I think I'm okay. I was going to say, I, I, I survived, but maybe. Phew. He'd grab a hold of me and shake me and say, and get my attention. This today should still grab a hold of you by the shoulders, jerk you into the face of your heavenly father and go, you better know that I love you. This better mean something to you. This better grab your heart. It better just grab your attention right here. But God raised him from the dead. Put an end to the agony of death because it was impossible for him to be held by its power. He goes on to verse 36 and he says, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And when he grabbed a hold of them, it was like those, that, that jerking of the shoulders. It said, Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent. Each of you and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The key phrase in this whole line is this. They were pierced to the heart thoroughly. The word pierce here is a, is a, is a Greek word and it means literally to pierce thoroughly, to agitate violently. When that thing hit them in the chest, they could not stay the same. 
their, their, their response was, what shall we do? Today, this morning, if this message has gotten old to you and you feel that shaking of the Holy Spirit, your response should be, Jesus, what shall I do? In response to your sacrifice for me, in response for your love for me, what should I do? See, the kingdom is about participation. We just don't sit and read idle fables like Luke 24 talked about. This is not just some, oh, that's really nice. This, it should move us. I've told you before, Pastor Eric taught me several years ago, that the word enthusiasm comes from two words, in theos. And when you think of somebody who's enthusiastic, the word theos means God. The word en means in. In God is where all the excitement, all the life, all the vitality, all the hope should come from. If you can't get excited about the gospel, that the God of heaven loves you, that he paid an ultimate price for you, your wood's wet or something. I don't know. If that does not get you fired up, something, nothing will. I mean, come on. This is not an old story. It is an old story, but it's fresh and new today, brothers and sisters. It's been around for a long time, but it still has power. It still has life. If you don't know Christ today, this message should pierce your heart and refuse to let you stay the same. If you are saved this morning and you've known Christ for years, if it's gotten old and stale, this message should pierce your heart and never let you be the same. Pierced through by the message to agitate violently. Listen, maybe some of you are in here today and you're going, you know, I just feel kind of dry, kind of this, kind of that. And maybe your sin isn't that big of a deal. Like, it's not like, you know, you didn't murder anybody or steal anything or, you know, Maybe like me, in some area of your life, you let fear grab a hold of you and you refuse to respond correctly. Maybe, husbands, maybe you've just not treated your wife appropriately over the course of several months. Maybe, oh, you know, tax, tax day was Wednesday. Maybe you fudge a little bit here. Nobody knows about it but you and God. And inside of you, there's like this separation. There's this death taking place. There's this dryness. Peter's, the, the, the response that Peter, the Peter gave these people is still good for us today. Repent, be baptized, and God will give you a fresh new thing in the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. The thing, it still works today. The formula still is in operation. The foundation is true. This is, you need to, to, to experience the power of the Holy Spirit. You need to let the, the message of God, the words of God, pierce your heart, respond in repentance to it, and get back on track and allow the Holy Spirit to be at work in your life. Now, you could... Respond like these people did in Acts chapter 6. Response number 2. This response comes from those who may be religious. You can be. But one thing's for sure. You're resistant to the Holy Spirit. Your heart maybe's become brittle because of self-righteousness, maybe unforgiveness. I could put a whole list of things in there. Anyway, you become... You become self-centered. There's things in life that make life brittle. 
and you become critical. And instead of being able to receive the truth, your heart becomes divided because of it. Acts chapter 6, verse 8, you'll find these words. And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Sounds like Jesus, doesn't it? Or read in Acts chapter 2. And he began to make some people who were resistant to what God was doing very uneasy. But the Bible says in verse 10, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spoke. Now listen to this. Here's one of the words. Verse 14 says, For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs which Moses delivered to us. And so he's preaching about Jesus and his death and his resurrection, how Jesus is going to turn everything upside down, and they just can't handle it. The, the gospel is beginning to, to agitate, but the wrong way. And it wasn't because the gospel was wrong. It was because their hearts were wrong. And so he goes through this whole process and he's, he's, if you'll read in between verse 14 of, uh, of Acts chapter 6 and down the ver- clear down through verse 51 of Acts chapter 7, you'll find that he's preaching the gospel to them, facing much resistance, and he finally just can't take it anymore. In verse 51, he says, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you have become the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. Now listen to these next words. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And they gnashed gnashed at him with their teeth. And then they cried out loud with a voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. The key phrase here is they were cut to the heart. This word means, it means to, to, to saw asunder, to exasperate. It's not the same thing as the, the see, the, the first one was like the, the heart was soft. The heart, though it was not on track, it was soft and it was open. And that it was like taking an injection that, that, that Holy Spirit would go, and it would pierce their heart and, and inject life-giving hope and strength and faith. Boom. But this one, see, the heart is brittle. It becomes hard because of, of things that go on in life. We become unforgiving about certain things. We have issues with certain people who are supposed to be brothers and sisters. Things begin to happen, and we don't understand what's going on. And our heart, instead of operating in forgiveness and love, we, be, we, 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 we get really harsh, and our heart becomes brittle. And when that message is given, what happens is, instead of that message penetrating and injecting the life of God, when that message hits it, it's so brittle, it just splits apart. It just cuts it. It's just wham. The Bible says that the word of God is a, like, a, like a sword. It's sharp. It can discern, the Bible says, the thoughts and the intents. See, when your heart's not right and you're, you're not open, the word of God will come in and it will, bam, it'll split that wide open where everybody can see and know what's going on. I don't know where everybody is today, but I want to assure you of the responses we're going to talk about today, this is the one you don't want to have. Here, they have, they've taken a man who loves God, is preaching the message of Jesus, and they go out and they kill him. They stone him. It just fries me. It's the same thing they did to Jesus. Peter wrote, he said, he's a man attested to you by God by the signs and wonders, and yet you killed him. 
And here's these, the same spirit that motivated the people at the cross are motivating these people where, where Stephen's concerned. They're, they, they felt their, their world was being shaken, their security, because they, they had certain things that were allowed them to maintain their status. And so when they felt that being rattled a little bit, they're like, uh-oh, that's a problem. And instead of coming, responding correctly, they gnashed their teeth. They stopped their ears. They yelled and they screamed and let us never get there, people. You know what? It's really easy for us to cross that line. We become frustrated. We get hurt in certain capacities in certain ways, and our heart becomes brittle. And then when God tries to deal with us about it, instead of it drawing us to him, it splits our heart, and we don't know where to go or what to do. We begin to scream and yell and st- Stop, maybe not physically, but on the inside, we stop up our ears. We, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to listen to that. I don't want to. And the funny thing about it is, the remedy Peter had was, hey, repent and the Holy Spirit will come. The problem Stephen had, he says, you're resisting the Holy Spirit. Now, let's never get there. That's response number two is to be cut by this message. But you know what? I think most of us, probably need to get the response number three. Because response number three is the response that those who were closest to Jesus had to contend with. See, number three, I call it heartburn. And you'll understand why in just a minute. This is response for those who have had an ongoing relationship with Jesus. And the message yet speaks and burns within them until they have the tenacity to change the world. Let me set this scenario up for you for just a second. This story we're going to look at next is an amazing little story because the two figures in it other than Jesus are relatively unknown guys. We don't, even, we don't know one of their names. The other one, it's mentioned, but I still, his name means nothing to me. It means nothing. You know what that means? They're just average, everyday followers of Jesus. Just average, everyday followers. There's no books in the Bible named after them. There's no great works attributed to them. They're just average, everyday Joes. The thing about them was life had thrown some curveballs at them that they weren't quite ready for. And that message had got lost in the shuffle of those curveballs. And so in Luke 24, they're walking on the journey, and they're disillusioned, and they're trying to figure out what life's all about. They're trying to decide what they do now. They're trying to figure out what happens next, and they, they find themselves together, and then suddenly there's a new guy walking next to them. Verse 20, chapter 24, verse 13, now behold, two of them were traveling the same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. The two of them, two of them were two disciples. The, the, the scripture have been talking about how the disciples are responding to Jesus' death. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. See, he says, I'll never leave you, I'll never forsake you. And here are these two disillusioned followers. 
They're trying to figure out what life's about. And even in the midst of their disillusionment, Jesus is walking beside them on the road. Things have happened they don't like. Things have happened they don't understand. Things have gone on, and yet they're not sure where they're going, but Jesus is right beside of them. The next thing the Bible says is, but their eyes were restrained from seeing him. Their eyes were restrained, so they did not know him. He went with them, and they didn't even realize it. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? And the one response in verse 19 says, and the one said to him, what things? The things concerning Jesus, who was a prophet. Now, see, they, they, they listen to the next line. Mighty indeed in word before God and all people, how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since all this has happened. See, Jesus, in a matter of about three days, he went from being Lord and Savior and Christ and Messiah and the one to follow. Now he's just a prophet. He's a great prophet. He did great things. But a few weeks ago, a few months ago, I taught you, I, I, I taught you in here about do you possess hope or are you just hoping? See, they had let go of hope. Now they were just hoping. We were hoping that he was the one. They become disillusioned, and yet they're reiterating the message. And he looks at them and he goes, verse 25, Oh, foolish ones and slow of heart, to believe in all the prophets, all that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He began to reiterate, Jesus himself is sharing the gospel with them. These guys are supposed to know what it's all about. They walked with him for how many years he was doing his ministry, at least three and a half. I don't know how long they were alongside of him, but they knew. And he himself is walking beside them, and he begins to remind them of what the Bible says. How that ever happened to you? Life is caught up with you, and the gospel loses its pop. God, the gospel loses its, and you know it, and you kind of go through it, and we kind of hope that things would be different, and you're just kind of wandering. And the whole time, Jesus is beside you, and he's going, hey, I'm with you. Remember what the Bible says? And, all along, and you're not even seeing it. You're not really paying attention. You ever been there? Today is a day where Jesus wants to put pop back in the gospel for you. He wants to put bam. I used to watch Batman as a kid, so forgive me. If I had pop and zow and zing. and Jesus wants to take that message that, that is everything and just inject it back into your heart until it means something once again, until it burns like it burnt before, until it grows like it grew before, until you can't contain it, you can't stop it. We all walk through life and things happen and disillusionment comes and we have to respond. And you know what? Jesus, you're with me. You never leave me. You never forsake me. You made promises. You are not a man that you should lie. And you remind yourself and you let him walk with you through that disillusionment, through that problem, through that trial. He is a man of his word. Well, it didn't work out the way I thought it was going. It doesn't have to work out the way you thought it was going to. It has to work out the way he wants it to. 
There's a lot about my life that hasn't worked out the way I thought it was going to. I'm just saying. I'm just telling the truth. Huh? Lots of things about life aren't, aren't measuring up the way I thought they were going to. But you know what? God's still with us. God is still walking beside of us. Now listen to verse 30. Now it came to pass as he sat at the table with them that he took bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Last week we sat right here. We partook of communion. We partook of this sacred thing. And the Bible says at that moment their eyes were opened and they knew him. And he vanished from their side. And they said to one another, did not our heart burn within us while, we talked with, while he talked with us on the road? And while he opened the scriptures to us? So that they rose up that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven and those who were gathered with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. And they told about the things that had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of bread. See, what happens from this point on is they had a change of direction. They, went, they were headed to Emmaus. And what happened? They turned around and went back to Jerusalem. They were turning the wrong direction. And God said, boom, let's turn to the right direction. Let's get back on track. See, because he had a word for them. And I kind of think that probably these two disciples, you know, some of us, you know, we, we, we think about, you know, different people being called to certain things. I think probably we don't know much about these two disciples because, you know what, they probably just did their job and did it well at home. See, Jesus had a, a mandate for these people, these disciples who followed him. He said, listen, you go wait in Jerusalem, and then I'll pour my spirit, okay? And then after I pour my spirit, I got some commissioning, to, to, to some commissions to send you guys on. You need to be witnesses for me in Jerusalem. You need to be witnesses for me in Judea. You need to be witnesses for me in Samaria. You need to be witnesses for me to the uttermost parts of the world. You know what I think these two guys' job was? Hey, stay in Jerusalem. Just stay in Jerusalem. You got to turn them around, send them back home. Go back. Do your job. We probably don't hear anything about them because they weren't world travelers. But who knows what neighborhood they lived in? Who knows how many people came to know Christ because of them? Their hearts began to burn within them fresh and new that afternoon. And they were sent back to where they came from. And God said, be faithful. The Lord is risen, they said. He has appeared to us. And they began to tell them. And he was known to them in the breaking of bread. See, in Acts chapter 2, the whole world changes. The whole world changes because these guys go back, share what happened to them, and the whole place is lit on fire by the Holy Spirit. Today, here's what I think God wants to do. I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. I've been wrong this week, as a matter of fact. I'm going to ask Patrick and Thomas to come this way. I've got a special thing I want, I want you guys to partake in. I want you to, to see something visually. I want you to hear words and I want them to mean something to you. Group leaders, I'm going to ask you to be ready. The minute this song is over, I want you to, to be ready to pray with people. I want you to be ready. I want you to see some things I think will ignite the fire of the gospel message. will cause it to burn. See, it's important that we are open to the Holy Spirit. All three of these passages of Scripture have everything to do with God dealing with us and moving us and motivating us. And 
here's what I want to, and I'll even say this, at any moment that, that you just can't take it anymore, the message begins to grab your heart. Don't feel like you have to sit, sit, in a, sit still in a pew. If you want to stand up and just hold your hands up and bawl your eyeballs out, go for it. If you want to come to the altar and get something right between you and the Lord, man, just do it. If you want to just get out in the aisleway, if you want to turn around the pew where you sit, I don't care where it's at, it doesn't make any difference to me. I want you to respond to the Holy Spirit of God. Are you ready?